Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to Screen Heroes on the Heroes Podcast Network. Another episode of Screen Heroes. I am one of your three hosts, Ray. I am, of course, joined by my other two very handsome hosts, Ryan. Hello. And Derek. What's up? And tonight we are here to discuss the movie Hero. We started this uh, new thing where we each pick a movie and uh, it's kind of a review. It's not really. So, um, I discovered that we all have a lot of gaps in our movie knowledge, and since we are all huge cinephiles with varying tastes, we thought this was a great way to fill those gaps or, you know, our holes. Or we could call them retro reviews. But, but they're not really reviews. Like, also, it's not really fun. <laughs> to so fill sorry. holes. Yeah, filling so, holes is much more fun. Yeah. Let's face it. <laughs> so you coming up with the idea got to pick first. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, I do most of the scheduling here. I kind of just put stuff on there six months in advance, and you know, a month before it happens, I'm like, "Are you guys cool with this?" And you say yes or no. So to be fair, you do the majority of the scheduling. Next yes. in line is Disney. So yeah, Disney sets a lot of our schedule too. <laughs> About sixty percent of it, I think. Um, well, before we dive into our conversation about Hero yes, and Jet Li, I guess we should talk news. And we have a long list of things we probably won't touch on all of they're it. They're all really small and inane. Cause yeah, nothing this, really big happened yeah. this week. I wouldn't say they're all inane. Uh, I mean, they're probably big things for those people, but, you know, not so much. I, I mean, some of these things are kind of interesting. We should probably talk about those things instead yeah, of just arguing yeah. about they're whether things, they're in These or not. things may or may not be. My favorite thing is Kevin Spacey's new movie made a total of six hundred dollars. Oh, six hundred! I, I heard its uh, its opening weekend was only one hundred twenty six. Was, was that him buying tickets for his family to go see it? <laughs> he still has family. I assume. Uh, I mean, he has relatives. Yeah, probably. You know. All right, so that's. That's one news story. So, um, so James Gunn officially it will not be directing Guardians 3. Disney has decided to confirm that they are not bringing him back or backpedaling or anything along those lines. We knew they weren't going to. Disney does no. not do it. So, you know, take from that what you will. Uh, however, I guess he did do a, mo- a movie with Sony that's coming out this fall and Sony still intends to release it, which... I mean, again, makes sense because they probably poured tens of millions of dollars into that movie and employed a bunch of people. Right. So they're going to, you know, try. It's crazy and... to just throw it away. Right. Right. You know, it's just like um, Disney's announcement that any finished Fox movies will still premiere. Right. Like, why would you throw out tons of, you know, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars? Um, it's just kind of silly. Um, so that's, you know, that's still happening. 
Um, Suicide Squad 2 is going to be a ways away. Uh, turns out that's happening sometime in the distant future, and Will Smith is going to be very busy. So next year he has uh, Gemini Man coming out, and then he will also be filming uh, Bad Boys 3. They could just write him out and put another character in. Sure. And uh, Bright 2 are the movies Will Smith will be doing. They're not going to take the two most popular characters in the film. I don't know. Is Deadshot one of the two most popular characters? The two most highly paid actors, probably. But I don't know uh-huh. that makes him popular. All I see is his action figures warming pegs at stores. Sure. The movie was, was not a big success, but people will go to the movie to see A-list stars, right? I don't so. think people were like, oh man, Deadshot was so great in that movie. Didn't say that. I said people want to see Will Smith. You said most popular characters. I'm just saying I don't think that, you know, I out think of they the, could write it out. Out of the film, so I bring would in imagine... To replace it. I would imagine that most people saw Suicide Squad for one of three reasons. They're either big DC fans, they're Margot Robbie fans, or they're Will Smith fans. I don't know about that. There's some, there's some Venn diagram that overlaps those three things, right? But, you know, nobody went to see it for... Jai Courtney. Who's the guy that played Slipknot? I'm just saying. I'm Adam guy. Beach. I'm his biggest fan. So, just... That Clearly, anyway. that's why I don't He's even know his name. all of his movies. So the point all is... All of his movies, yes. Suicide all Squad and Joe Dirt. <laughs> oh yeah, he wasn't Joe Dirt. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the point I is, like Will Smith is busy... Doing movies again, which makes me happy that he's doing a bunch of films. I'm really looking forward to Gemini Man. Um, Chris Hemsworth has told everybody what he thinks of Thor The Dark World. Yeah. He thought it was the same as we did. Yeah. Meh. Meh. He, he actually went on to say, did you read the article? Uh, yes, I did. He actually went on to say he liked the, the, the first Thor and thought it was great. Yeah. And the third Thor was great and the second one was met that was like the whole the whole quote was yeah. much more damning of the movie when you read it in context usually that's not the case yeah it was it was kind of funny i can kind of hear him say it you oh know? yeah um but what are they gonna do now fire him yeah <laughs> right right yeah that's he's gonna enough. have i mean his character is gonna have the most title movies probably of any other character because they're not probably not gonna do an iron man 4 He's the Probably only not one that do another really cat wants movie. to renew his contract, too. Well, also, his movie or his movies weren't really as successful as others until the third one. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when his character kind of came into its own. So now they're like, well, we need two more movies from him, probably, because people like the character now. So It's time for Beta Ray Bill, guys. And we, no, but as long as Thor's there, unless they're going to do like a buddy cop, which I'd be, there if Taiko Atini was going to dress, it was going to direct that, I would be in like Flint on that bad boy. Well, so yeah, so Chris Hemsworth, of course, he still wants to continue the character, um, and so... Surprise. Yeah, surprising nobody, you know, especially if you've seen Ragnarok and Infinity War, I don't think it's super shocking to think that he's enjoying himself, so... uh, So that's that news. Um, Other stuff we've got going on in the superhero world is the CW announced the big crossover event for the Arrowverse. Also, they announced... You know, the days in which these shows are going to take place. So Flash is officially moved to Sundays. Is it really? Yeah. I didn't read that. Arrow's on Mondays, and Supergirl is now on Tuesdays. So everybody's getting a day rearranged. Yeah. Which is interesting. Wednesdays are tomorrow, did they say that? Uh, I think Wednesdays. Wednesdays? Yeah. I mean, basically the network has said they want to have a DC show every day of the week. So they're just readjusting so they can, you know. Do that, yeah. Get that going. So maybe Batwoman premieres Fridays. Yeah. You know? Um, Which is not a death 
sentence on, on CW. CW. True. Supernatural has been in that spot and has done just fine. So now, if somehow they're able to pull this off and have it be like a mid-season launch of the show, which I don't expect happening, they could always piggyback it off another one for the first, you know, half season or whatever to oh, get people absolutely. interested. You know, have it premiere after. Flash I feel like it or would something. fit in best with Arrow. You know, like just kind of. Most likely, yeah. The the tones are probably going to be very similar, I imagine. Yeah. Versus Flash and. There's Legends. a couple of their other shows that are also ending. I think this is the last year for Jane the Virgin. So, you know, that's been really I popular. Zombie. I don't know. Is that going to be a thing still? I don't know. Which one? I the zombie. zombie one. Yeah. Oh, I Zombie. I th- I think I Zombie was canceled, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Never it's never been it. kept in that same kind of DC realm. They kind of pretend it's not a comic book adaptation, which is fine. I mean, the show is very popular, so whatever. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's happening there, and then. Uh, <laughs> Doom Patrol, which is uh, one of the DC spinoff shows coming to the DC Universe streaming platform, cast a new new actor. Brendan Fraser is going to be playing Robot Man. I love Brendan Fraser, so... It's Fraser. Fraser, not Fraser. Fraser. There's like a commercial or something that used to be on. He's like, it's Fraser, not Fraser. If you say Fraser, I'm going to come to your house and kill you or something like that. I remember. Well, then if I keep saying it wrong, he'll show up. All right. Um, okay. And he definitely tell- doesn't have better things to do until recently. I'd like to tell him how great he is in his uh, Scrubs guest starring role. Really? That's what you pick? This man Come is on. He's a been in Mummy. National treasure. And what's that I one like him he, a lot. where he has wishes from the devil? Bedazzled. Yeah, I actually, that's, that's a so guilty good. pleasure of mine. It's so much fun. Look, I like a lot of his movies. I just really love his character on Scrubs. And yeah. I thought that he was really good but on that. But you love that's every all. character on Scrubs, so it's not really saying much. That's oh, not true. Every character on Scrubs. Almost every character. I love a lot of You will characters. buy every single Scrubs Funko Pop that comes I will not. Out. I will not. I will not buy any. Somebody will buy them for you. That's probably. Yeah, exactly. I am not buying. Somebody is sitting am, right next to me. I am cut off on Funko Pops. That's it. I'm not doing that anymore. So, has nothing to do with Scrubs. Um, okay, so rounding out the news here, Bond 25 lost its director, which I think I didn't even know I had one. Really, so. only interests me. I think at the yeah. table. I don't know. Uh, James Bond fan. Danny Boyle was uh, lined up to be the director for Bond 25 with Daniel Craig reprising his role. Danny Boyle has done Sunshine and... 127 had... Hours, Slumdog I did Millionaire. like 127 Hours. 28 Days Later. Yeah. Um, so they were really looking forward to having Still him. waiting on 28 Months Later. Okay. I like later? Contagion and like breakout movies sure is it just going to keep exponentially increasing 28 years later 28 decades later 28 centuries later eventually it's going to be like after the earth has died and zombies are just going to be floating in space like this they're not zombies whatever they didn't reanimate infected people are going to be floating around in space like this (laughs) and they're going to just bite each other when they happen to get close enough because yeah they farted or something and it propelled them towards the other it's ridiculous so great just saying Um, you fart in space i don't know if that's a thing we should go to and space and try this. I know, I'm thinking that's Let a good Let me know plan. how that goes. We have that in the budget, right? Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going to call up Elon yeah. Musk. We're only going to need Patreon payouts. a million months on Patreon. Right. Um, anyway, Veronica Mars may be returning as a TV show on Hulu, which is pretty cool, starring 
Kristen Bell. She would be reprising her role. I don't know what that is. Uh, so Veronica Mars was a TV show. She was a teenage detective. Ran Wait, for... so she's going to play a teenager? No. I imagine she's, she's grown up. Like How many years Mars. ago was this? So it was a little while ago. They did a Kickstarter film that actually did quite well and has really good reviews where she is older. It is that much time later. And so this would be a continuation of that. The show had three seasons and they had the Kickstarter movie a couple of years ago. Um, and then they, Hulu is looking to do this. So she's kind of busy right now doing The Good Place, uh, which is an absolutely phenomenal show. So I'm um, hoping that she's able to do both because I know Veronica Mars was kind of her, that's what kind of started her career as far as like public limelight is concerned. And it's crazy because I first knew her from Heroes. She played the electric girl from season two. And uh, see, I didn't see her. season two. I think I only knew good. her from the sloth video that's on Ellen. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> that's the only thing I really knew her. When, that, I went, when that went viral. Comes from. Yeah, exactly. I see. But I see. That see, everybody knows remember. the GIF because it pops up in your Twitter. Right. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. the GIF. Yeah, yeah. okay. Fair GIF. enough, fair enough. Uh, Anthony Hopkins did a modern day King Lear on Amazon, and I'm so excited about it because I'm such a nut for Shakespeare. And King Lear is the best play ever written. Fight me. Okay. Not you guys in particular. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't really fight very often anymore. I'm more of a lover than a fighter, so. Yeah. Uh, Your girlfriend looks hot today, by the way. I appreciate that. I'm <laughs> sure she's happy to hear that. Um, uh, I don't know. You did... Sorry. Were you moving on? No. Okay. Did you want to talk go, go about his it. girlfriend? No. I was... <laughs> yeah, that's where he was going. <laughs> I was talking about go plays. Ahead, comment, Dirk. I was going to say, when you when he's waiting for Godot with Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen is the greatest play ever made. I to disagree with you. Well, go ahead, Ryan. There was a Daredevil uh, <laughs> photo from season three that released this yeah. last week, um, kind of hinting at the imposter storyline. It was a photo of Matt Murdock in his old black like vigilante suit around the corner seeing uh, somebody in his red suit beating somebody up. Interesting. Um, How so dare they? It's either the imposter storyline from the comic books where Kingpin hires somebody to dress up as Daredevil and go out and kill a bunch of people to ruin his name. Or Iron Fist is wearing the Daredevil suit. This is my secret hope. That's Iron Fist wearing the Daredevil suit. Because he thinks Matt's dead. Because he thinks Matt's dead and he wants criminals to still be scared on the street and he knows he can't go out uh, and do it. Because Iron Fist isn't scary? Well, because... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, when, when did Daredevil's hands start glowing? Like, I think feel like people are going to ask about that. If You know? I don't know. Maybe he doesn't use it. Maybe he doesn't. Did you see the new photo where Punisher is wearing the yes, skull Yes, the set photos. And it's, like, super bloody. Yeah. That got me pumped. You know, I love me some Punisher. Except the thing I don't love is they're bringing Jigsaw in this season. I was kind of hoping that they would skip a season after the way it ended and give us a different villain and give... Jigsaw kind of his own time to ferment and maybe bring him in like at the very end as that's a hint. Because um, that's a huge Punisher villain. It is. You know, and he j literally just had this happen to him. So, so some time to build up some residual rage would be nice. But I forget that actor's last name. I know his first name's Ben. But he was just phenomenal. So I, I am excited great. to see him back. I feel like the fact that his best work is Prince Caspian in outside of there, outside of a yeah. Punisher, yeah. In uh, Narnia too is kind of unfair. Yeah, and he really chewed up the scenery in uh, in his jigsaw role. Like he's he's good. He's good. I, uh, and I'm hoping that I, I I wanted them to let it from Matt longer, but I'm not disappointed that they're bringing him in. It's going to be cool to see. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm excited. And yeah, he did great for season one. So season two will be even better, I imagine. All awesome. right. Is that it for news? I think so. Okay. Then let's get started. Okay. Okay. So Hero came out in 2002 and in, in China. It did really well. It was so popular that uh, Quentin Tarantino decided that he was going to go to Miramax and ask them to release it here in America. They did, and it won its box office. Uh, unfortunately, it won two years later, <laughs> you know, not when it came out originally. Um, it, it's a pretty simplistic film. It's only got six characters in it for the most part. Uh, Jet Li, of course, helms the film right there and plays a character called Nameless. Uh, so I picked this film because of how incredibly gorgeous it is. I like studying film and I think this is a fantastic example of what draws me to film and that's ultimately the um, visual aspects of it what you can do with the camera and taking in all of your senses at once so that's kind of why I chose this one I do not want to smell my films no we did that with it I'm fine yeah it's really only you know <laughs> Certain senses, right? Senses. Right. It's it's really just eyes and ears, and yeah, you're not tasting it. Oh, maybe popcorn, but that'd be about it. I mean, you know, if you've got like a D box seat and it's rumbling, you're feeling it, you know. And... Well, you can. I, I'd say you could feel. Feel would be a fair thing because okay. it's not just tactile. You know, you're feeling well, things I mean, inside. We're also not in kindergarten trying to pass a test. There are more than five senses. I mean, there's balance and intuition, and you yeah, know. I tell you, I have, have seven or eight senses easily. So well, that's it. I have thirty-two. No, come on, guys! Like the scientists have proven, I, there I are twenty-three. Like, Is there twenty-three? Yeah. Like, I have no idea. I was just playing around. Come on. I don't have a sense of science. What did you guys I don't believe in so, science. All right, so, to your point about the visuals of the film. so what, for, well, what did you think of the film? This was your first time seeing it. It was. Yeah, this was my first time seeing it. Uh, I am a Jet Li fan, but I, I miss this one. Um, you know, Unfortunately, when films have more generic titles, it's, it's harder to find them sometimes and get references to them. There are about ten other films approximately out there named Hero. Or right. the hero, or like yeah. right, exactly. Uh, but I thought it was it was really cool. I thought it was a beautiful film. Um, to I, I thought, and I guess we'll get into detail here. Um, so, so your point about the visuals, I for people who don't know, have some color blindness issues. I am color deficient, right? And so when a movie does things with color, and I notice, I it's a big deal for me. Um, and Hero does some really cool stuff with just kind of monochromatic shots where every everything is some tone of some color and um, I just think that looks really cool it's really pretty um, and it just made me feel like everything in the movie was more purposeful than like your average American film mm -hmm. right everything just seemed to have a specific purpose rather than it just being part of the runtime if that makes sense yeah right I liked it. I mean, I saw it when it first came out, but admittedly, that was like you said, two thousand four. 
uh, at that time in my life was I was still doing martial arts. I did at one point, I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but I did martial arts for 11 or 12 years and uh, kind of because I loved Kung Fu movies and whatnot. Um, and so I was seeing pretty much everything that came out in theaters related to that. Um, I don't remember. I wasn't, I liked movies at that point, but I wasn't looking for deeper meaning or anything like that. Seeing it now, um, I can appreciate a lot more things about it. It's not my favorite Jet Li movie, and I think there's some movies that have since done things better than this movie did. Um, but for the time period it came out, I think it was a very impressive piece. Um, yeah. yeah, without digging into it too deep, that's, that's how I felt. That's fair. So where do you want to start? Let's dig into it really deep. This film is constantly on collections of best this or best that, uh, usually on best uh, martial arts scenes, fight scenes, especially the beginning with Jet Li and Donnie Yen. And Who I forgot was in this, so that was mm-hmm. a pleasant surprise. Uh, their, their mental battle mm. and the uniqueness of sword versus spear, something that we never see here in America. And uh, it's also on popular lists for visuals, the monochromatic color as well. Um, Color is always used very, well, it's not always used very purposeful, excuse me. In this case, it was incredibly purposeful. So as the story progresses, uh, Nameless tells the king exactly how he defeated these three warriors and each time um, a scene occurs you the color that it's portrayed in the outfits they're wearing the scenery everything like that can kind of tell you what's going on when it's red between um, flying snow and broken sword it's very passionate it's it's not an intelligence scene it's sex and death and just all around so you know it it's all very purposeful every color and it kind of just sets the mood yeah i found that the framing was a really big part of that too it wasn't just the color that things were just framed really well the composition Um, i uh it's a really it's a pet peeve of mine when things are cut off in a shot when they don't need to be like I get it. Like sometimes there's just there's no way of getting everything you want. But I just felt like everything was set up in in such a way. There's all these really wide shots that give you all this amazing detail. Like when they're in the emperor's throne room, right? And you know, nameless is like he's a, was a hundred paces away is where he starts, mm-hmm. right? And you know they're showing it from like the emperor's perspective, and he's just way out there. But you get this beautiful wide shot where you get to see the entire throne room and all of this detail. But it's the same wide shot even as it gets closer in. It's it is. still from the Emperor's perspective. He's just closer. Isn't that interesting? But I find that really interesting, though, that you continue to get that shot, but it looks different every time he moves forward, right? And so it's very much the same perspective. It's what the Emperor is seeing, right? Rather than it just being some environmental shot or something like that. Um, the composition of this whole film is pretty brilliant as well, and I think my favorite example of it is the battle between flying snow and moon in the yellow forest with mm. all the leaves and everything. It was 
uh, not just a really well choreographed fight. Every fight in here is really well choreographed, but you know, just the way that uh, Snow moves and uh, coordinates with her surroundings, the the composition is just very uh, unique and uh, telling. Mm-hmm. Um, the I mean, the choreography is very you know it's. It's in the style of, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where it's not... Well, the same director also did House of Flying Daggers, so he is familiar with that kind of choreography as well as style. It's it's not, like, ultra-realistic. You know, it's a little more fantasy aspects to it, and it just makes it look really interesting, because your main characters are basically superhuman in these fight scenes, right? Um, you know, like in the first fight, uh, there's some crazy stuff going on in there that just isn't really the most, you know, human actions in the world, but it looks super cool to watch that on screen. Um, you know, the things that they do with the weapons at first, like, so the blades on the swords would like bend and wave and things like that. And at first that kind of threw me off. It looked a little fake. And then I started understanding what they were trying to do with that. Um, and so it kind of just ended up being part of it for me. Uh, I would, I don't know, I disagree a little bit on the choreography, just because I have I have this pet peeve about my uh, martial arts films that they sure. aren't floaty and dancey and stuff like that, because I don't think it looks cool. I think it pulls me out of the fight um, and makes me go, okay, this is clearly not meant to be something realistic, and that's fine. I mean, I didn't, it didn't take that much away from the movie for me, but it did make me go, okay, it's going to be one of those movies, because I... I like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon as a movie, but as a martial arts movie, I don't really like it as much because I think that the scenes with Donnie Yen and Jet Li when they're doing the sword against the spear, um, or when Donnie Yen is fighting the um, the guards, um, I thought I thought those were good when they weren't flying around doing ridiculous like hanging by their toes on it, like whatever. I thought the actual when it was actual choreography and not wire stuff was cool. Did you guys notice that the wire work, the fantastical wire work, um, only occurred in the scenes that were lies? I didn't pay attention to that much because it was distracting to me anyway, but... That's interesting. Um, The scenes where... So, like, the on the lake and everything? Yeah, the blue scene. I didn't think that was supposed to be real. I guess I didn't capture that it was a lie. That's interesting. No, I did not notice that. But I mean, his ten meter like instant instant gib before the water falls. That I mean, that maybe that scene specifically wasn't realistic, but his, that technique was something he used later yes. in the film. So I mean, I guess if I guess uh, I don't know, I would debate that a little bit. I'm sure well, that it's mostly true. At least, but I guess it real is it realistic that somebody could move ten meters instantly? You know, I think the idea is that we never actually get to see what the real move is, right? Because well, it's you know, we I mean, we see him rush the emperor. Yeah. Well, but we don't we don't get the whole shot. He's just there, right? Okay. Is is the point? I, the point is we're not really supposed to know how he does it. Right. That's, that's fair. It's the MacGuffin. It's what's in the briefcase. Yeah. Right. Like we don't actually get to know that. Um, but that's a really interesting point, though. That I, I definitely did not notice that, and that does make it kind of interesting for me because then it makes more sense that that's the choreography. If that's not what really happened, he can be fantastical because like the, the scene where he's, uh, uh, they're protecting the uh, calligraphy school from all the arrows 
right? And you know, there's a million arrows that are flying through there, and they're just like knocking them all away, and like these so giant now they're not hit by any stuff. of them, but everybody else is. Yeah. But I, I like the idea then that that's not that that didn't happen, right? That's just this fantastical story. I like that. That makes more sense to me because the emperor just wants to know what happened, and Nameless has to come up with a story, right? Because it's not it's not the truth, right? The whole thing is a ruse. Um, and he needs to seem like he's larger than life to intimidate the emperor. If the truth does come out, like it does at the end, you know, the emperor is not so sure if nameless is able to accomplish this or not. And part of that is the story. He's not an emperor yet. Sorry. He's the king. The king. My apologies. So a lot of people, especially in China, didn't really like the film because, uh, they believed it had a political stance to it. And, most Americans, that went right over our head, because, you know, it's not 1776, but... I noticed that, for yeah. sure. Okay. Maybe maybe I'm not noticing the right one, but I definitely thought it was interesting that they have this whole conversation about why the king is doing this, and when you hear it out, and it's done, he's given, like, a platform to have this logical statement about why he's doing what he's doing, as brutal as it is but he says it in this kind of very even level-headed way, it does lend a sense of legitimacy to what he was trying to do. And I thought that was an interesting stance for the movie to take. Because it humanizes him, right? It doesn't make him sound like he's a warmonger who wants to slaughter people. It sounds like he thinks he has everybody's best interest at heart and he thinks he's doing the right thing and saving the most lives, right? So it does kind of make him seem more reasonable mm -hmm. but in the end autocracies turn people off yeah <laughs> so if that's the if that's the political part that that uh, the people in china were, were thinking about like i that i saw i definitely noticed that i thought that was interesting when the whole because the whole movie's not right the movie as a whole is, is just this story right it's about the story of this you know so-called champion and who comes from nowhere kind of thing and it's almost like a hero's journey kind of fast forwarded a bit um and then at the very end he gets this whole platform to speak his mind and that was an interesting departure yeah so on your comment about all the different colors representing different things, I did think Absolutely. that outside of the colors, um, the elements used, uh, water, fire, earth, um, and all these different fights, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe not all fights, but yeah, scenes, uh, I thought that was an interesting use, too. You don't see as much of that uh, as a, like an environmental theme in movies. Right. Um, on top of the color, it was just very multi-layered. And maybe that turned me off a little bit about the movie, because I'm not... I don't go into movies looking for a super deep meaning in general. I just want to be entertained, right? I'm not looking for political stances or things like that. Um, it was a good movie. It was pretty. Like, there was a lot of things I liked about it. Um, I did like the use of the elements and things like that. But at, at a certain point, when you're peeling back the onion and the onion never stops, you never get to the middle, you know, I don't know. I feel like, it, you know, maybe a little bit of a waste at a certain point. And we did get we did get to the meaning of it. I just feel like there was a lot of layers to get through. And it was, I was starting to go, I wonder when I was going to get to the center of that onion or something edible. I, I thought that the whole point of the film was to show that, you know, we're supposed to be on Nameless's side because he's the main character and he's fucking Jet Li and we all love Jet Li. But... 
him and Long Sky and Flying Snow, they're just angry because they've lost their family. They don't have a plan afterwards. Even if the king dies, another king takes his place. Some other territory or province, whatever they're calling it, uh, rises up and starts a war. So, you know, they, they don't have a better idea to put in place. They, mm -hmm. They've concocted this plan to get to the king to assassinate him and Broken Sword's the only one that sees that eventually the killing between these uh, provinces will stop and uh, they just can't focus on that. Now, I do like movies that kind of turn turn the uh, protagonist into the antagonist uh, or just kind of flips it on its head. We talked about Big Trouble in Little China where you're watching the sidekick the whole time. Mm -hmm. In a position like he's framed as a hero, you, you know, but because he's the main character, but he's really a psychic. And in this movie, it was, you know, he was more or less the antagonist, or, uh, you know, you, you weren't really sure for a while there, and he ended up doing the right thing. But, um, yeah, I do like that when a movie flips that, and that was interesting. I, this, I didn't remember anything about this movie really, other than like bright colors and floaty dance fighting. Um, so that was that was interesting for sure. So I, I really like the, twi the the twisting that happened on it. So yeah, for people who may not watch the show, I like the overly complicated stories and, and the complexity. I enjoy that type of stuff. Um, and so when when they go through all of this, and he's supposed to be this amazing warrior who fought for his king and and all of that, and you find out not even like at all, you know, and he's actually trying to assassinate him. I just thought that was super cool. I did not see that coming mm -hmm. at all. I really didn't. And um, maybe it's. It's just, you know, I wasn't really looking for a twist because a lot of the the martial arts films are pretty straightforward, yeah. you know, so I wasn't anticipating a twist, um, but I really liked it. A lot of the times when I'm not anticipating a twist and you get one, it seems kind of lame or something like that, like, you know. Well, if you go into a movie, you're like, okay, what's the twist going to be, you know, and you're trying to figure it out before the twist happens, and in this one, you didn't really, like to go in thinking it was going to be a twist and so you didn't spend the time trying to figure out what it was so when it That's happened true. you know kind of blindsided you in american films some of those things are very obvious you know uh, i think it's safe to say that american cinema was surprised by sixth sense and it, the actual twist at the end but for a while there was a rash of movies in the late 90s and early 2000s where that kind of thing happened every single time so the it, it was you know popular to try and figure it out within the first 10 minutes of the film and you know brag to your friends if you were right or not about it but this one i just let it play out by the 30 45 minute uh section of the film yeah then you're going like okay something is going on you know well, we've we heard two different versions of the story exactly. you're like okay there's something going on here and we see the Flying Snow and Broken Sword situation play out a total of three times, mm -hmm. all very different from the other versions. Um, and it's just now looking back on it, their, their names are incredibly important. You know, Broken Sword being like kind of symbolic for having a mission and then that mission is no longer what you think it is so you know it's not uh the same you're not the same anymore you've grown and you're different flying snow like if if snow is flying here in 
Kansas, it's it's a bad time, and she's just nothing but anger and death, and she just wants to rain down punishment for um, being wronged. And you know, Long Sky is the only one alive by the end of the film. Well, I guess Moon is alive as well, and you know, long, the skies are vast and and endless vacuum kind of things, and he's just he's nothing at the end you know he's he's given up his swordsmanship so he's just nothing i think part of the reason for me that i didn't like i didn't necessarily look for a twist is that we did watch it you know with subtitles um i try to avoid dubbed films whenever possible um so i can get the original actors voices and things like that and it requires a little more work to watch a film that's that visually intense and read at the same time and keep up with everything that's going on and then try and think ahead on top of that. Um, and I think that made it more difficult as well. That's possible. You know, because you know, these days if you're watching a Marvel movie, I already know who all the characters are. I can guess what a lot of them are probably going to say in certain situations. You know, but if they haven't shown in the trailers already. <laughs> or if they haven't shown in the trailers already, right? Um, and so I'm not... You know, I'm not focused on minute details necessarily of, of the instant that something is happening. I'm trying to th think ahead, like, what's going to happen next, right? Um, in this, I never had that opportunity. So, like, I missed, like, the name thing. Didn't even really think about it because there was just so much going on that I was trying to pay attention to that that went right by me. Hmm. So, that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not really quite sure what to say. Um, well, so, okay. So let's talk a bit about the fights. Um, do you have a particular fight that was your favorite or one that you thought was the most interesting? No, I would say probably the one between Jet Li and, uh, and, uh, Donnie Yen before the acrobatic crap started. Uh, I thought it was, I mean, it was well choreographed. Um, I really like when martial arts movies and a lot of western martial arts movies don't use spears the way they actually were and spears were made of waxwood which is a flexible uh wood that like so it, it whips like that's a that's a that's a thing um and this movie used utilized that to great effect he had to deflect this the spear tip with his foot once because it was going to curl down and hit him mm -hmm. um so i always have a lot of respect when they uh when they actually are fairly authentic and actually jet, uh, jet lee is really good about that he has several movies um that use spears that uh, are, are true like waxwood spears or staffs uh, they did the same thing with, with uh, staffs at the time but um, yeah, that fight I thought was well choreographed. It's always a pleasure seeing Donnie Yen, and it's always a pleasure seeing Jet Li when they're when they're really like into it. I mean, they do they're very fast, they do great work, and and their choreography is very good, and they're both very skilled martial artists. So, uh, yeah, I always enjoy watching those two. Visually, I like that one a lot. I like the rain. I like the fact. I like the music too. The, yes. I always love it. it. Even like Kung Fu Hustle, which is kind of a joke, but the, I love. But Kung the Fu the, the uh, music in the background, an old man playing music in the oh, background. So cool, yeah. Um, you know, I that's always a good like ambience to have in a fight scene. I mm -hmm. love like the sing the, the like string instrument. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that definitely had an effect for me too. 
Well, because I, I felt like that played in with the shots, right? Because, you know, as I was saying before, all of the, the framing, the coloring, all of that's very purposeful. And when you have an instrument like that where each individual note is always heard, again, everything's very purposeful. Every single note is important. Even the string breaking as a non-note was important. Exactly. You know, so I just, I just feel like every aspect of the film kind of goes towards that, where if it's out there, if it's in a shot, there's some specific reason it's in that shot other than it just, well, you know, it was on set, you know, kind of thing. Um, it just feels very, very purposeful. Mm-hmm. And that's just different. It's very refreshing for me because I, I watch a lot of just American films and there's a lot of tropes and um, common patterns. There's tropes in Chinese films as well and this one's sure. probably no different it's just that there are very few directors out there especially ones that we get to talk about who is every single thing in frame on that made it in the final edit was done for a reason you know we we joke about how there's a lot of mistakes in the first star wars you know the the shoe and the potato asteroids and <laughs> We've joked about all the poor edits in Avengers, how uh, Steve Rogers is punching a punching bag with duct tape on it in this shot, and then you cut away, and then it's back, and there's a different punching bag. It just poor editing, things like that, like stuff. In America, we just look that over, you know. Not everybody is Tarantino who pays attention to what color nail polish his actresses are wearing, but mm-hmm. this. He's usually looking at toenail polish, to be fair. <laughs> I didn't specify where the polish was for a reason. But Zhang, on the other hand, who directed like everything in this film, was carefully combed over. And I can really appreciate that amount of effort that goes into your work. You know, mm-hmm. That deserves to be praised. Like, you know, the, this film has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes, 85 on Metacritic. It's won 13 awards, nominated for two Academy Awards. Like, it was a big deal. And it, I think it deserves the recognition just because of how um, breathtaking it is. So what was your, your favorite fight scene? I think I, I can't really choose a favorite one. Most of them um, created some sort of emotion or interest that I had. I think my my the ones that I can recall the easiest are the green fights with the um, broken sword and flying snow against the king. That was a lot of fun. That was super cool. And because that happened in IRL, um, that didn't have any of the insane wire work. It, it was all very practically done. And within normal humans' uh, range of capabilities. Um, I also love the fight, like I said earlier, between Flying Snow and Moon. Uh, that was just absolutely gorgeous. And that one was more fantastical. It, it definitely used the elements of air and earth to... Um, I guess arrange itself better. Nice. It, I don't know. You get the emotions in both of them. The the yellow fight, let's call it, um, was full of revenge and agony and loss, and the green one was all about um, 
rage and uh, just, I guess, finding himself broken sword, just figuring things out in his head and figuring out what he loves and how he just wants to be with Flying Snow. And if he were to go after the king, he would have lost her. Their death is pretty intense. Their real one? Yeah. Yeah, they're their real one. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting. I mean, the shot was good. And mm-hmm. It was pretty, but yeah, it was a rough scene. Yeah, um, I mean, it, the concept reminded me a little bit um, of, you know, a, a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing where, you know, they, they kind of kill each other because they love each other kind of concept, and that wasn't what either of them had really intended. Um, and so I, it's that just makes it, like, additionally sad because they both... They were both trying to do their thing because of their love for the other one and it ends up getting both of them killed in the end of it, which is pretty sad, actually. And so when you think about the, the end of the movie, like, they're, like the, king, the king gets to live and he gets to keep doing what he's doing and our three main characters are dead and it's kind of tragic. It's a pretty tragic story at the end of it. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. It didn't have a happy ending. No, again, something that you kind of expect in American film, right, is the happy ending and people don't like it when there isn't one. This definitely, you know, doesn't have the happy ending. Uh, I guess we didn't really do a spoiler warning before this, but it was 16 years ago, yeah, so. Yeah, come on. Um, but, the whole uh, point was to watch the movie before seeing this. And having an elevated discussion here, we're not talking about whether or not the film was good. We've already said, like, the film is a good film. And what did you guys think of the after credit scene with Thanos when he gets all the all the weapons? <laughs> I'll do it myself. I mean, I preferred the one where Matthew Broderick showed up in a robe. I just thought that oh, was super yeah. weird. Yeah, it didn't, um, it didn't really fit in. I thought yeah. the Thanos one was much more uh, entertaining. Um, so the yeah, uh, one interesting little note is uh, James Hong was the voice of the King in the dubbed version, the English dubbed version of the film. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, Did you watch the dubbed version? No, no, no. We didn't. Either. No, no, no. We, I, but I was looking through the credits to get everybody's names down and stuff, and I saw his. I was like, I don't remember seeing him in the movie, and it's because he just voiced. Uh, IMDb says he voices the Emperor, which is why I kept calling the character the Emperor. But uh, yeah, I guess by the end he is. So yeah, I mean, kind of. Um, but it was interesting because you know, I, my my. China history is pretty weak, and so I wasn't sure how... It's because we're American, and we learned very little about what happened in the East, ever. Like, we get some European history, some. To be fair, I'm I'm betting that, like, they don't really go deep into American history in China either. I mean, maybe they do. Maybe. They hit the big stuff, but... I know a lot of other countries get more information about us than we do of them. We also have much less history in America. <laughs> That's true. That is definitely true. Yeah. All of this much took place long span. before this yeah. was a country. Um, but my point, my point was more that that I wasn't anticipating this being based on any historical stuff that actually happened. You know, uh, obviously you know, these th- these main characters that we follow, the, the, they were not. Um, you know, nameless wasn't you know necessarily real, but the story of what the king was doing, what the emperor was doing, it was you know based somewhat on reality, and I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Again, not something I usually anticipate from you know the the more martial arts focused films. 
um, you know. Especially when they have such a fantastical, whimsical outlook to it. The, right. The color palette as well as the exaggerated fighting styles doesn't necessarily lend itself to based on real events. Yeah, I mean, I think it distances itself from normal martial arts movies with that, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But it was cool. Uh, I thought it was really interesting. I found myself just, like, constantly just staring at it, never really looking away at any time, which I... When I watch a movie at home, I tend to do. Yeah. Right? You know, we've got a dog, and I pay attention to the dog or something like that, and I was just, like, completely in the zone watching this one. Uh, again, just... It's compelling. Visually, is just super captivating for me. Um, and different. It's very different from what we normally watch. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, for, for those who follow the show, you know, we, we tend to focus on the major blockbuster stuff. Um, which one could argue has a bit of a formula to it. Um, and I guess this was a blockbuster. If it took its weekends and made, you know, triple its budget back, then I guess it would qualify. But I just don't remember hearing or seeing. I remember seeing previews for it, for yeah. sure. But I was also seeing other martial arts movies at the time, so I mean, it's sense. not too surprising. Yeah, I mean, the, the, t- the term blockbuster, I guess, kind of has a, a less, you know, dictionary definition now than than it probably should right because like you know you look at you know this weekend uh crazy rich asians won um the weekend with over 30 million dollars which uh you know basically what would you call it a blockbuster well i mean, I mean it made its budget back sure it, it, I, it when i think it blockbuster, i guess i mean big studio yeah. movies it's usually right and that's what i'm for blockbuster right? like the meg was supposed to be a big blockbuster right or jurassic uh, world uh, uh, 2 you know fallen kingdom that's a blockbuster i guess movies like these change the scope of what a blockbuster is you know a, a blockbuster is guaranteed to make back its budget and more than that within the first day, let alone the first weekend. And some of them are failing pretty hard, and some of them are surprising us. Crazy Rich Asians once again proves that representation matters. And Speaking I, of James Hong, he's in that. Yeah. So, <laughs> a lot of people are a in lot, that. A lot of people are in that, yes. Um, but I think he's the only one from this movie who's, yeah. who's in it. Um, but yeah, I mean, a blockbuster is probably a film that's expected to make $500 million worldwide, right? And, you know. I just think that our our definition of blockbuster should be a bit more lenient because the movies that we expect to be don't always end up being sure. blockbusters. Yeah. Well, what else? What else can we touch on for Hero? You didn't talk about your favorite fight scene or not? Oh, I didn't. You're right. So, actually, so my favorite fight scene is actually the one on the lake. Yeah, it was um, really pretty. Just because I thought it was super interesting. I've never seen a fight scene quite like that before. As much, like, Yeah, I've seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and other films that have that type of, of choreography in it. And super, super beautiful. But on the water, you know. That was almost ballet-like. Yes. Yeah, and I really just, I liked when, like, that speck of water gets on her face that, like, the whole fight has to kind of stop for a second, and I I just, I don't know, I just thought it was really interesting that I've never seen something quite like that. a fun fact, in America, when they want to have a woman do martial arts, they usually teach her not just martial arts, but they also incorporate ballet to make it look more feminine. And it's actually gotten to the point where it's on my nerves now because we can't just do regular fighting styles. We also have to dance at the same time. Um, kind of spearheaded by, again, Joss Whedon, who thinks he's a feminist and sometimes is and sometimes not. Um, but River Tam did this a lot in 
uh, Serenity. She didn't really fight a lot on Firefly, but definitely a lot in Serenity. And uh, Gamora does this, but it was interesting and a completely welcome change in my world to see two men fight with some ballet poise mm-hmm. to it. Because it, it never happens with men. So it was very interesting to see them like on their on point. Literal on point. Fair enough. How did you guys feel about uh, Nameless dying at the end, the way he died and all that? Did you anticipate that happening after he left the king alive? Yeah. I mean, it's the law. So, yeah. I mean, it, if he just decides that he doesn't have to do the law, then that causes all kinds of other problems. Oh, yeah, no, no, I guess I I just kind of, ex- because, maybe because it was Jet Li, I expected him to somehow, like, escape. So they could do the second sequel, Hero 2, no. Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> no, no, but, you know, like, look, let's let's face it. I've Hero seen, 2, Men in Tights. Oh, yeah. I've seen far more American films than I have, you know, Chinese films, right? Um, and so I'm, you know, a little more used to the hero, you know, getting away kind of thing. And part of me thought that based on the Jet Li character Nameless and his abilities at getting out of there, I feel like, you know, maybe he should have put up a little bit more of a fight. So here's why I knew it wasn't going to go down like that. And this goes back to the character names. Okay. If he is Nameless mm-hmm. and he lives, mm-hmm. he will have a name. Heroes, legends, they they get remembered. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't stay nameless. Like there, there would be something about the man who almost killed the emperor, or the king, and you know he would be written about in textbooks and legends and things like that. So it it would kind of take away from the point of the character to be an everyman. That's interesting. I had not considered that. Well, I'm smarter than you. Okay. Uh, it was for me. No, um, I don't know how familiar you are with Jet Li's filmography, but he did a movie called Fearless, which is one of my favorite Jet Li movies. It um, is good, and he dies in the end of that one too. And it's spoiler uh, alert. Yeah, I mean it's, but I mean it's you kind of know that from the beginning based on wh- where it's going because it kind of bookends, like you see part of what's going on in the end yeah. in the beginning, and then it goes back in time and plays up to that point. I mean, he dies at the end of Lethal Weapon 4. It's true, but it's a little bit different. He wasn't the protagonist in that one. But, um, so, I mean, well, it's he not does uncommon. not die in the Expendables. His, so. his historical, <laughs> more historic type movies uh, about like the history of China, um, they seem like he dies in most of those that he does, or at least in the couple that I've seen, so... And I know that one came out after Hero, but because I've seen that movie more, and you know, it's it was kind of expected for me that he was going to die. It wasn't too surprising. Fair enough. To be fair, Fearless does have some of that kind of dance fighting too, but not nearly as much. And I was much it's much easier to ignore that movie for me personally. But if you haven't seen that, you really should. It's a really great, really great movie. I'm not going to pick it for my fill my hole though. Fair enough. Got too many other movies. Any final thoughts on Hero before we wrap things up? No, no, I, I just, it's grown to be one of my favorite films and it's, it's going to make the top 100 somewhere probably in the 2030 range. I can rewatch that tonight. Since we watched it, I've had the urge to watch it like four more times, so. (laughs) But you couldn't because I took it. That's true. You (laughs) You brought it back though. I did. All right. 
Well, we'll be doing this in about a month again for the same segment. I'm picking the movie. You picked something completely different. I did. Yeah, which I thought we were theming these, but apparently not. No. No one told me we were theming them. The theme, the theme is one of the three of us has to have not seen it. That's the theme. My goal was to pick, like, classically good movies rated all across the board. Top ten lists. And, oh, see, yeah, that's, that's that not where I was going. I get that either. All right, so I'm not going to so tell anybody fine. what movie I'm doing yet because I, I'm sounding more and more like I should change it. So. No, you don't have to. You picked it's this fine. movie. It's we'll, fine. We'll talk about it another time. You picked the uh, last No, Star I have not Fighter. picked anything yet. I have not picked anything Yes, you did. It's yet. already Well, we here. have to give our audience time to watch it before we... Uh, you picked well, we the last Starfighter. You have to tell them ahead of time. Fine, yes. I picked the last Starfighter. Why are you ashamed because, of it? No, I'm not, not ashamed of deal. it. it you just, seem annoyed. It seems very defensive. A little bit. Because I was asked to pick a movie, and then all these rules came later. No, so. no, no, no. There are no rules. That was my thinking. Cause, okay. You know, well, I, that's the movie she's going to pick. We'll that's talk about it. going to be movies you pick. We'll talk about the last Starfighter in about a month. Okay? So if you haven't seen it, or it's been a while since you've seen it, go ahead and rewatch it. And we'll be talking about that in about a month. Next week, we are reviewing Cloak and Dagger. So next week, we are... Um... We might push this one more time. <laughs> oh, like wow. I, okay. I haven't gotten through it. It is a tough show. Yeah, it, it is. is. I can't binge it at all. No. I can watch like two episodes, maybe. It's good, but it is serious as hell. And <laughs> like in the first episode, there's... A... We can't push it too far, though, because then Iron Fist is going to be out, and we have to like review that within like a week. But we binge that one. Like, there's not a rape attempt and drug use. We don't know. And... Maybe there is. <laughs> that... we don't, we don't in know. one episode, like, spread out your trauma, please, for me. Wow. Jesus. All right, so we might be reviewing Cloak and Dagger <laughs> season one next week. You'll have to tune in to find out. Uh, Ryan, where can people find you? On the internet. Awesome. Ray, how about you? Oh, same. No, I'm Siren Ray. Yeah, you I, need to promote things. Yeah. I don't need to promote things as much. I am right a cosplayer. Now. I am currently doing a Kickstarter. Please, for God's sake, just subscribe to it. This is embarrassing, people. Uh, kickstarter.com search siren ray because they make the urls long as hell and you don't want me to just say all that s-i-r-y-n-r-a-e thank you siren ray <laughs> give her your money and, and get digital or real things and i am the star trek dude on twitter you can also find me on red shirts and runabouts which is our star trek show here on the heroes podcast network Woo! you can find us screen heroes on the heroes podcast network at heroes podcasts on twitter facebook instagram and here on twitch twitch.tv slash heroes podcasts we do this live every tuesday night at 9 p.m eastern 8 central and you can chat with us and we will talk to you in that chat so thank you to everybody who joined us we will catch you guys next week good day i said good day Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.